don't let your level, you know, a CEO versus somebody working, you know, just uh, behind a register. Like your job does not define who you are, your character, your interests, your ability to hold valuable conversations with other people, your ability to maintain relationships. That's what's important. And as long as you can make connections from whatever you're doing or, you know, whatever your job is, that's what's important. Welcome to Raw and Real. I'm Megan Casey Loftus. And I'm Samantha Jenkins. Working in the fashion industry can often seem materialistic and shallow. On Raw and Real, we shut down those stereotypes and dive into the discussion surrounding job opportunities, both creative and business within the fashion world. There are so many unknown aspects to the fashion industry and the entrepreneurial world that we will uncover through interviewing fashion industry leaders, serial entrepreneurs, and girls just like us. On today's episode of Raw and Real, we have the one and only Mackenzie Beattie. Mackenzie is a 26-year-old hustler who thrives off all things fashion and self-expression. Growing up in the suburbs of Detroit, Mackenzie's largest exposure to fashion was in her own household as the oldest of five girls. After studying psychology at St. Louis University, Mackenzie moved to Chicago for graduate school at DePauw. While studying, Mackenzie started as a stylist at Rebecca Minkoff. Shortly thereafter, Golden Goose announced it would be opening its newest store in Chicago on Oak Street. Kenzie and her new Golden Goose team opened up the store together and have been working on the floor and running the show ever since. Keep listening if you're looking for advice on giving up others' opinions, the history of the Golden Goose house and the iconic sneaker, breaking the norm of the 9 to 5, and so much more. Thanks for coming on today, Kenzie. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I've been listening to you and Sam's episodes and I've already learned so much from you guys. So just being able to give my perspective, like I'm so excited to be on. Is this your first podcast? It is. It's fun to see all like the technology that we're using and you know how we're doing it. You're in New York, I'm in Chicago. Um, Yeah, it's very fun. Very um, pandemic friendly here. Totally. (laughs) So let's start with where you grew up. Was there fashion in your household? How did you get into fashion from a young age, if you did? Okay, so I grew up in a house of all girls. So I'm the oldest of four younger sisters. So I've always been in like the girly environment. And I went to a public high school so we could wear whatever we wanted. And so I felt like every day I always like I dressed up every single day, like picking out my outfit the night before was like a whole thing. Like me and my friends would always trade clothes and I could have, you know, just worn sweatpants every day, but I weirdly just like liked presenting myself well. And I don't think I realized it then, but it was like kind of a form of creative expression. I just like didn't understand that yet. But yeah, I remember like working in my dad's office over the summer and like saving up my money and then like some of the money I made. I went and like bought a Burberry like pleated jacket and I was like so happy about it and like that I bought it with my own money. So like that's what age was that? I think it was like junior year of high school, junior, senior year of high school or something. Um, Okay. So high school is really when you started to get, take your interest in fashion and really dive into expressing yourself through clothes. Kind of, but like at the same time, like I didn't have my own money. So like I was just dealing with, you know, what I could like what I could get at that time. Um, Like it was like a lot of fast fashion, like Forever 21, 
that kind of stuff. Having four sisters didn't hurt, probably. Yes and no. There was definitely a lot of fights over the outfits. You know, I was going to wear that tomorrow. Well, if you wear that, you know, when me and my sister were in the same grade, if you wear that this week, then I can't wear it for two weeks and blah, blah, blah. That whole situation. But I think I'm really the one that ended up, like, interested in fashion the most. Um, my baby sister, we love to talk about, you know, look at this line that came out and look at, like, we love to, like, send each other stuff all day of, you'd look good in this and how cool is this? Um, Where did you grow up? Suburbs of Detroit. So like 45 minutes, an hour out. Did you find that growing up in the suburbs of Detroit in the Midwest, that there was a lot of people around you interested in fashion or mostly just in your own household? No, there really wasn't. There was definitely people who were just interested in nice things, like more so in just like showing off, you know, like what they had versus like being interested in like it as like a, a, a fashion or creative expression. It was just more like of a show offy thing. And I think that's like what rubbed off on me a little bit. And then like later it turned into more of like me being interested in like the creative side of things versus just like, look what I have type of thing. When you were nearing the end of high school, did you foresee yourself going to college for fashion or did you really just want to attend a regular university and get the college experience? So I think I was just in denial. I'm like not that good with change, but I was like in denial about going to school. And I went to a big, big high school where like, you know, everybody was going to Michigan State or whatever. And I was like, okay, I want to do something a little bit different, a little bit smaller, like maybe get more of like a Catholic Jesuit school experience. And like, I knew I wanted to go out of state and I did not know anybody in St. Louis. Um, so that was really cool, like starting over and not knowing one person, which ended up being the best thing for me. It really helped me learn that changes can, can be a good thing. It might not seem like it in the moment, but um, right. It's led me to so many like different friendships and relationships that I still have now. Whereas like, if I would have just gone with the high school crowd, I might just still be friends with the same people, you know? Right. So you attended St. Louis University. Yes. In St. Louis, Missouri. What did you study? Psychology. And I absolutely loved it. I think psych like is still my number one like passion and interest. Um I, I feel like I'll eventually go back to school for it um, at some point just to, you know, but I still apply what I love about it now. Like, I'm so happy I did it because when I first graduated, I was like, I knew I was always going to go back to school because there's like not much you can do with like a psych degree standing on its own. But I loved it so much. I didn't care. And now I feel like I apply psych literally in everything that I do, like just on a day to day basis, interacting with people, understanding different communication patterns, behavior patterns, like being able to take a step back and get different perspectives. And like you, I apply it through like visual merchandising and the way that I don't know that I did that. I didn't realize. Yeah how much I would apply it to till I got out in the real world. Right. There is su such a strong connection and tie between both sales and psychology as well as fashion and psychology. So we can definitely dive into that later when we get into what your day-to-day -day looks like. Yes. Um, while you were at SLU, was there anything, any job that you worked, any club that you joined that really helped you solidify 
what you might want your future to look like? Um, to be honest, I was one of those people that was lost. I always was just like, I'm going to study what I love. And I always felt like not less than like what other people were studying, but I didn't know where I wanted to take it. And I was very much lost in that way. And I think coming about like my path was just a part of growing up, like graduating, I still did, had no idea what I wanted to do. And it caused me so much anxiety. And I always knew I was going to go back to school. It was just a matter of determining like what for. And so, no, I really was lost up until I figured out where exactly I wanted to go back to school because I graduated. I moved home for like six or seven months. And even in those six and seven months, I really did feel, I, I don't know, there was just so much anxiety about like, I wasn't living up to like, you know, all these people were landing these like crazy corporate jobs and working the nine to five and the high rises. I just followed and studied what I loved. I enjoyed going to class. Like that's my biggest thing. Like you need to get excited and be interested in like what you're learning or you're going to be miserable. And it's easier said than done because obviously other majors like make more money and this and that, but do what you love and then figure it out because you can always you know, go back to school. Right. And I think the same holds true once you do graduate school and what job you choose to pursue. If you're not doing what you love every single day, or at least find enjoyment in parts of it or parts of your day, you're going to be miserable as well there. So, you know, it's just like following what you love, whether the money is there or not, like the money will come as long as you're happy, you know? Right. And there wasn't really a big fashion presence on campus at all. And I was just Mm -hmm. one of those people that just loved to dress up and go to class. And like, I think that gave a false image for a while, you know, is like she's showing off or I don't know. I think there was a lot of judgment there um, with me just around, you know, just being at a small school. That was just me being creative. And so I kind of stuck out a little bit, um, almost in a negative way, where like people would even ask like my friends, like, oh, you know, does Mackenzie even get good grades? Is she even smart? When I, you know, they don't know what grades I have. I I was getting, I was getting great grades because I loved what I was studying. It was fun for me. But because I would like, I think dress a certain way and then, you know, I just like stuck out. People were like, you know, she's an airhead, which kind of got to me for a while and I'm over it now and stuff. But just, you just stick out so much more when like there, there was not a big fashion presence at SLU at all. What did you do once you graduated slow did you like you said you moved home for six or seven months did you go back to school or what was your first job yes so I went back to school I applied to DePaul to study digital media arts and communication that's when I think the creative side of me really came out so I moved to Chicago I had a lot of friends from SLU that were here, which was really cool. And like, it was cool to see them all, you know, using their degrees and doing what they wanted. Everybody in my program was a creative of some sort, whether it was film or UX or advertising or video game designers. Like we would come into class and it was just a very like open discussion where I would people would come in and they would talk about their independent creative projects that they were going home and working on for fun after class and you know that's where I'm like okay well what's my thing like what am I gonna go home what's my creative thing so I think I I also had just more time on my hands because I was just doing school at that point like still kind of looking for internships and I think that's when I got really interested in fashion and Instagram and putting 
outfits together and getting into like what the trends were. And I actually lived right above a mall with my first apartment in Chicago. So like I would always run like run down to Zara and like see what the new trends were. And like that was super fun. But it ga- that was like a really creative time in my life where it gave me because I was just doing class. It, it opened up so much more time for like I lived by myself. I had my own apartment to where like that was my creative space where I could come home and like explore with like taking photos and, you know, trying to figure out my sense of style and stuff. So I think that like time where my that time that gave me to be creative, like really shaped where I wanted to be and how I am now. At what point during school was there something that happened that clicked or just when everyone else was finding these like niche um, hobbies or interests that you were like, okay, fashion could actually turn into a career for me. There's not a big market for fashion in Chicago. Again, I was still trying to figure it out because my program, it was like, it was an umbrella of creative kind of paths and courses that you could get into depending on your interests. And there wasn't a lot of fashion things, but I think Either way, it really like sparked my creative side and like got me. I took like photography classes and it just got me into like visual aesthetics. Going and being surrounded by these creative people really probably turned on a creative light bulb for you. And you were able totally. to learn more about everything that might go into blogging or Instagrams and things like that. Exactly. And I didn't, I, I still, even as I was doing my masters I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do I was like you know I'll just start applying to jobs and whatever feels right and whatever I fall into I have I'm set up for the skills the baseline of the skills with the program and then whatever I wanted to get good at I would just learn through whatever job that I took and I would really hone in on those specific skills the whole retail world kind of just fell into my lap I love Instagram. I, I Instagram for me is a platform for my creative expression. Like I know it sounds like I'm probably making this up, but it's really for me. Like I treat it as like a personal like journal almost. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm not trying to gain anything from it. It's just it's my place for my creative expression. It's the way it's almost like a diary in a sense where I can look back and reflect on things in my life where I'm like, I remember, you know, putting that outfit together. And like, I remember outfits with days or like, it, me too. It, it's totally like a personal journal for me to look back on. And, you know, if nobody else wants to look at that's fine, you know? Right. It's that's so funny. You say that yeah. I feel like half the time my friends talk about something, I'll be like, Oh, that was the night I wore this and this. And they're like, well, I don't know what you wore. Exactly. Like, but-, but I know exactly what I wore. Yeah. And it's fun for me to look back on. And, and it's like, you know, it's like telling a story of my life, whether anybody else wants to see it or not. It's, it's, it's a photo journal for me. But the other major part of Instagram that I love is like, I maintain and make so many friendships which I'm gonna this is gonna tie back into um how I got into the retail world I meet so many creative people and friends through Instagram like people that okay even even you like I saw because you were two grades younger than me at two grades or one at SLU and so you know I'm out in the city and I run into all your girlfriends and they were like oh my gosh you would love 
our friend Megan, she's in New York, like doing, she's in the fashion world. You guys kind of like remind me of you guys have the similar interests. You need to follow her on Instagram. I'm like, totally. So I follow you on Instagram. And then, I mean, like you post like such cute, fun stuff. I just, you know, started responding to your stories. And then, you know, it led us to now being on this this call, which is really fun. So that's just one example of how I utilize Instagram into like creating and maintaining relationships. I followed, there was this young designer, his name is Tyler Lambert. He was, I think, 16 or 17 at the time. I followed him on Instagram and he was creating and designing his own clothes. Loved the stuff he did. And one night I was out and I was like, that's Tyler. And I walked up to him and I'm like, I follow you on Instagram. I'm obsessed with you, blah, 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 blah. And we became friends. And then he would hit me up like, hey, do you want to come out to my studio with, with, you know, check out some stuff with your girlfriends? We can have like champagne. His studio was out in Pilsen. And so our relationship started from there. And he's actually now out in LA doing celebrity styling, like killing it. He, you, he designed like some really cool pieces that Haley Baldwin and Bella Hadid and all them ended up wearing and stuff. Completely growing. He went from designing clothes to being a stylist. So just even watching him grow. But I was with him one day and I met his friend, Anna Block, and she started at Rebecca Minkoff and she was like, hey, I need, I know you're in school. I just need a part-time stylist. Do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, for sure. So that I literally got that job technically, if you tie it back through Instagram from meeting Tyler through Instagram, then I met her. And then I started at Rebecca Minkoff doing it part-time while I was getting my master's. And that was my first like retail experience. I quit there and then I was looking for, you know, actual like legit jobs, as, <laughs> I guess. In air quotes. Yeah. In Chicago, I don't want to ramble too much, but like I always felt the pressure, like tying back to SLU and like Chicago as a city. I always felt the pressure that if you're not working in a high rise corporate nine to five at a desk, your job isn't legitimate. Like people kind of look at you like, like I always felt kind of inadequate because like I knew, I knew I wasn't a person that was meant to sit behind a desk from nine to five. Like that's not me. I need to be up walking around, talking to people, being creative on my feet. And like, I always felt this like underlying sense of anxiety and like weird sense of like being inadequate just because it was such a thing at SLU and such like that Chicago is that corporate life it doesn't have the creativity levels that LA and New York do where it is a different vibe when you do go into non-corporate jobs so once I realized like that wasn't for me I that anxiety went away and I just like felt so much better realizing that wasn't the life for me I think was like the biggest thing so how long you were at Rebecca Minkoff for how many for how long? Just about a year. While you were finishing school and then you made the transition once you recognized that you liked retail and you loved working on the floor and talking to people. So that kind of fell into me too, which is like I, I just advice to people who are just getting into take every opportunity that you can. It opens the door to so many other opportunities to where even if even if it's not an opportunity you want, it still opens the door and it's still an option. So I quit Rebecca Minkoff. I was like, okay, it's time for me to, you know, 
you get a job using my degree, which I planned on doing all along. I'm trying to figure out what what exact path within my degree I wanted to use. And in February, my manager, Anna Rebecca Minkoff, calls me while I'm looking for jobs and was like, oh, my God, they're opening up a Golden Goose store on Oak Street, which is where we a few doors down from where we worked before do you want to be on the team? And I was like, uh, yes, of course. I think like I forever can say that I hel- that I helped open up the Golden Goose store on Oak Street, which is a qu- kind of like it used to be the Rodeo Drive of Chicago. It has all the designer stores. I loved working in that area. Like I already knew, you know, pretty much everybody on that street. It was just an area that I was comfortable in having a storefront on Oak. I was like, that's badass. Like I'm in, let's do it. This will be so fun. And I was like, I'm just going to roll with that. Like I wasn't planning on being in retail again, but I think it was just meant to be. And I'm like, I'm just going to roll with this, see how it goes. If I hate it, you're not stuck ever, you know? What was your first memory of Golden Goose? Because I feel personally as someone that does pay attention to fashion, they really were brought to the forefront in the past like two or three years. Mm -hmm. But before that, I wasn't familiar with them at all. And then they had the iconic sneaker that we can talk about. Yes. And that now everyone knows who Golden Goose is. Yes. So it's, it's weird. I remember back, I've, I've always been a person, like I've always loved Twitter and stuff. I remember like people kind of blasting the brand at first being like, it's, I can't believe people are paying this amount for dirty sneakers. And that's what I remember kind of being shocked. Like, I didn't really understand it. Yeah, that would have been my first memory of people kind of like bad mouthing the brand. But I didn't understand like fashion and the creative side of things fully yet. And then I went to so I knew what the brand was. And then I went to the Hamptons with my family three summers ago and they were everywhere like in every boutique every kid mom dad family teenager everyone was wearing them and I'm like wait a second like just seeing the different ways people styled them and just being around them so much I was like okay this is you know a pretty cool brand and then I would see them at Nordstrom and Saks and all that and yeah that was kind of my first memory of them as I said everyone kind of knows them for their shoes but what would you say sells second to footwear for Golden Goose what's one of your favorite pieces to sell the brand actually started not a lot of people know this but the brand started with ready to wear so the way the brand was born was in the year 2000 in Venice Italy with two it was it was a woman in her 20s and a guy in his 20s and they We're going to the same tailor, kind of like designing their own pieces. And they were like, hey, we're kind of doing the same thing here. Do you want to like kind of team up and see what we can do? And so they they started with ready to wear. They made this like Levi denim skirt and it sold out. Everything was handmade in Venice. So they started, you know, to do the clothes and stuff. They ended up falling in love and getting married And then the sneakers, they didn't make sneakers until 2007. So sneakers were like a a total after. Afterthought. Uh, Yeah. And we have so many people that come into our store that were like, we didn't know you have clothes. And I'm like, we actually started with clothes, which is really funny. So their names were Francesca Ronaldo and Alessandro Gallo. The guy that started it, he was a skateboarder and 
the whole brand is inspired by Venice, Italy, and then Venice, California, because he came over to Venice, California, and he went to the skate park, and he was like, I was standing there in my, like, perfectly clean sneakers, and everybody else there was, like, in their distressed shoes, and so he was going home and, like, distressing his own shoes, and then, you know, realized there was a gap in the market for that, and, you know, when there's a gap in the market, you always want to seize that opportunity, and you don't know what that can turn into, and, I think people at first have very indifferent feelings about buying sneakers that were distressed. Believe me, when I worked at Balenciaga, I can relate. There were so many people that were like, why do they have make a bag this big? Why are their shoes that chunky, this and that? Yeah. And for people outside of fashion, sometimes it does feel like it's hard to explain or like you don't want to dive in and be like, tell this whole cool story from Venice, Italy to Venice, California. But when you actually take the time to listen to someone telling you the artistic side of the product, that makes me love those shoes so much more. Now, oh my gosh, totally! Like my whole thing is like the the way the I feel like fashion is like a, a art to me, where it's like I love to research the creative processes that went behind a lot of the designs, and that's why I respect a lot of pieces and why they're worth the money. It's because. It, it really is sometimes a piece of art, but he actually before that, so he was already distressing. He would take all of the leather jackets and the boots and stuff, and he would tie them up in wire and he would bury the boots underground and let the soil and the earth like naturally distress the leather, which I thought was so cool, like such a cool concept. And then to distress the sneakers, he was taking them, he was throwing them in his dad's washing machine with rocks and sticks and like letting it, it like distress them that way. And the dad was like, okay, you are now like broke four of my washing machines. Like you, you need to stop. But we still have that concept. Like we have a lab in, it's our first lab in America in Austin where they have these like modern washing machines where you can see the sneakers like spinning around in them. So they still carry that original concept of how he was distressing them and stuff. And all of the scuffs on the shoes are placed strategically to mimic the patterns of a moving skateboard of how they would actually be scuffed. So that's just kind of like a little homage to his youth. But the whole point behind the distressing, it was also based on this Japanese concept. I don't know how to pronounce the word, but basically mm-hmm. it means all the things that are more worn or more beautiful. It just means that they're that much more loved. And the distressing, you know, it really represents the, the handwork that went into them. Like you can physically see how how they make the shoe. Because all of our sneaker the makers... Craft. The yeah. Yes. And you have to remember, distressing is a process that has been perfected over 20 years. It is an art in its own. Like, I think the distressing shows the craftsmanship because it is a craftsmanship. I try to tell a lot of people that come into our store, we have a lot of husbands that come in with like their wives and stuff. Like, I don't get it, blah, blah, blah. And it's more of a thing. It's like, if you get it, you get it. And if you don't understand, the brand was born of love because the couple fell in love. And so all the products are made out of love and they're meant, you know, to show and tell a journey, your journey, where you've traveled, where you've been. They're supposed to represent being lived in and living life. And the more you break them in and wear them and, you know, the more they tell your story and your journey. So let's get into 
some specifics about what your day looks like from morning to night. So you don't work five days a week, Monday through Friday. No, no, no. Um, I do work five days a week, sometimes six, depending on, you know, when they need me or yeah, not having the nine to five life I was used to from working at Rebecca Minkoff before. There is pros and cons to that. It does get defeating sometimes when my friends are all taking weekend trips or I have to miss out. I, I work every single Saturday, no matter what, like we because we only have a team of three all three of us, because it gets usually pretty busy, we all three of us work every single Saturday. So like, that's a bummer that, you know, I'm missing out on certain things. And that gets to me sometimes, to be honest, like it does get frustrating where it's summertime and my friends are all, you know, boating on Lake Michigan and, you know, I'm stuck inside. But then at the same time, I take a step back and I'm like, you're so much happier doing this do you work store hours? Do you have to help open and close knowing that it's a team of three? What does that look like? Yes. So the store opens at 10. They want us on the floor ready by 930. So I need to get there by 925. So I have those um, few minutes to change. And then I'm on the floor by 930. And we do have uniforms. So we wear whatever we want to work. We change into our uniforms and then, yeah, we get the floor ready. I, you know, kind of go over emails, check messages, sometimes run to Starbucks, depends, um, and just kind of like gather our thoughts before we open up at 10. And then I usually, you know, the store closes at six. We have to do all the paperwork at the end of the day, crunch the numbers, get all the emails sent out, do the paperwork. And then I usually leave by 6.30, get home by 7. So I'm doing like a kind of like a 9 to 7 situation. Kenzie, that's a really long day to have Dude, five. I know. And I worked, I worked six days straight this week and just like slept for two days straight after that. And it's, it's just like, it's hard on my body, to be honest. Like, it's, Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, what do you do? to stay sane either in the morning at night what does it look like it's so hard like so much coffee I get really sore like I know I shouldn't but sometimes I seriously feel like an 80 year old woman because I do not sit down and our back stock is downstairs so I am on my feet like we can't we cannot sit down at all where am I gonna sit first of all and like of course you don't want to be sitting down when somebody walks in the store that looks so unprofessional so like my feet and my knees and my hips and my back just like ache by the time I get home. So sometimes it's really hard to do things after work because I'm like, you guys, like usually people in Chicago, like they're sitting at their desk all day. They go crazy and want to, you know, ride their bikes and go to do all this stuff. And I'm always in my Uber on the way home, like looking out at everybody. It's just like being so active. And I'm like, how are they doing this? But they've been sitting all day versus me like running around like crazy and my body is just like so sore and just worn out by the end of the day and then on top of that like you have to be on like it's not like I'm sitting behind a desk at a computer just like in my own mind like I am talk I am talking to people the whole day our whole thing is like we want people to walk into the store and like feel like they're at home by the time I work like five days in a row and then I have a day off, like I'm the type of person that just needs to retreat. And like, 
lay in bed and like read Twitter threads and watch documentaries. And that's my way of like kind of taking a step back. And then my second day off, I usually put all my errands on that day. So I get two days off a week. It's your Sunday. Yeah. Like one day is my errand day. And one day is like my like chill out, just like be lazy and be at home just because I get, I do get worn down from constantly being on and being on my feet. So I want to backtrack to what you said about how when people walk into Golden Goose, you want it to feel like love and feel like family. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's such a stereotype. And I even feel this amongst my own friends who all take interest in fashion here. But I'll want to walk into Louis Vuitton or into Chanel just to see what they have. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily because on this random Saturday, I can drop 6K on a handbag. But my friends oftentimes... And even myself, too, I'm guilty of this. Like, I'll feel nervous or like, oh, will they be annoyed that I came in and I'm not buying anything? What is your either Golden Goose or you you specifically, Kenzie, like what's your outlook on people that might be coming in to peruse or really take an interest in Golden Goose, but maybe are saving for their, their first piece from you? That's super interesting because even though I work in luxury retail, I still get those feelings of intimidation when I walk into high-end stores. And that's why I think our company is like a little bit different. It stands out just because like they do, they did hire a team where it's like my team really is like some of my best friends. It feels to me like the we're just hanging out as best friends all day. And that's what makes work fun because we genuinely like just love to be around each other. And people can tell that when they walk in. And what I've learned is like you truly can't judge people based off of what they come in looking like, like you don't know the amount, you don't know what credit card they have in their purse. You don't know how much money they have. Like, but you can generally tell, like, I do appreciate when people come in and they're like, you know, I'm just looking around or, Hey, I saw this style online and I'll always be like, okay, well, we don't have that in our store, but let me grab you a similar pair. Mm -hmm. You should try it on, see how it fits, find your size because all that, you know, that money is still going back into our company. So I, that doesn't bother me at all. Like where people are trying to get a feel of the product. Like I, I always want people to come in and try on. And like, I get so excited when people walk in who are, are, who aren't familiar with the brands. Like I love explaining the brand story to them and it gets them excited. And we have, I, I think it's like the coolest thing when people come in, know nothing about the brand and end up leaving with a, one, you know, a pair of sneakers where they're like so excited to go back to their neighborhood and be like the first ones to set to set the trend where they're like, I'm going to I want to be the first one in my area to, you know, like put everybody on this and start the wave, which I'm like, that's super cool. So I don't know if this is the case at Golden Goose, but from the corporate level of fashion, I've seen at Marc Jacobs and internships and Marc Jacobs, I feel is similar to Golden Goose in the sense it's like a more playful luxury brand for people. It's not so serious. However, we definitely do offer and provide trainings to sales associates and make sure there's like a form and types of language that's used when selling or like you just conveyed so beautifully, like the story of the brand. Does Golden Goose have, has someone come and like trained the retail associates on, at the Oak Street location on how to talk about it? And what does that look like? Do you guys have like morning trainings and things? Yeah. So when we first opened, like I helped open the store so that we had our directors um, that 
are all originally from Italy um, who came in and helped us open the store. And like, as we were setting the store up, like we, we physically, like I physically put all the product into the store, like all the starting inventory, like we were there till, you know, midnight every night, stock back stocking and organizing and scanning and all the inventory and, you know, making sure everything was right. And the training kind of came with that, you know, as we were doing that all, they were teaching us, as much as they could about the brand, how to present things. And I think it's just really up to like personality. Like obviously there's certain things you should say and shouldn't say, but it's not so, so totally so strict. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like, they really want to make sure it's a comfortable environment. And just like, I think bringing on the right team that works well together, clients can see that. And they can see like when we truly love the product, like I think that makes all the difference. That also goes back to like a lot of things that are going on in Chicago right now and like not to make anything negative or anything, but and like I see every side and but a lot of people think, you know, it's just things, but we've had so much looting and stuff in Chicago where a lot of people are like, well, you know, things are replaceable, which is totally true. Like, I, I totally understand that. Like, things are just things. And people can only yell so loud before they aren't heard. And I understand sometimes people need to take that next step to, you know, make their point. But you have to remember, like, this is a store that I literally put my heart and, like, so much of, like, my physical energy into building. So, like, if that got destroyed, I would have... Mm-hmm like been upset versus like, you know, in Nordstrom where they have a million and they have insurance to cover these situations. And this was something that me and my team built. But now like our windows are boarded up and it's been affecting foot traffic. And it's I, it's weird. I feel boxed in all day. And like, it's really affected like our sales and we have to adjust those numbers. And like, even with COVID, like our store is carrying a lot of the numbers for the other stores who are still closed down because of COVID. And then, you know, that piled on top of it where people walking by assume our store is closed and Oak Street itself, just like, it's so weird. It looks like a total apocalyptic, like everything's boarded up. Being a new store and Like people are still walking by being like, oh, I didn't know you guys were here traveling to Chicago if it wasn't for COVID. So we would have just had like way more tourists. And so like my first year and like opening the store is like totally different than we expected. And it's just like wild to think about how different everything could have been. Um, We'll see it. 2020 has been quite the year thus far. Oh, I know. Some very positive, good conversations that need to happen, but also a lot of heartbreak and hurt along the way. Of course, but some we got to go through this to, you know, make real change for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So we're just to kind of wrap things up. I have a few last questions here. Mm -hmm. Where do you see yourself in five years from now? So I have completely fallen in love with Golden Goose as a company, like seeing how they handled everything with COVID and how, you know, they took care of their employees. And, you know, we had our directors like high up, like personally having calls with us asking about our, just our general well-being during COVID and just seeing the way that they handled the whole situation. It solidified like, okay, cool. This is like a company that I would love to, grow with and stick with. So I think I just want to, you know, 
learn as much as I can about the brand and the position I have now. I, I, it'll be a year with them in February. So I want to put a year into that and then hopefully see where I can grow in some way with them more on the creative end of things. Um, I don't know exactly what, but I would love to do something beyond working on the floor, which I think is so important to, you know, also kind of sometimes start at that level with a company to understand it from bottom up, which is hopefully what I end up doing. So five years, hopefully I'm somewhere on the corporate level with Golden Goose. What is one piece of advice you could leave the audience with today? Something I've realized recently, your job and career doesn't define you and it doesn't define your worth. I think that's great advice. So don't leave it there. Yes. Do what you love. Don't let people think that your job defines who you are as a person. Who you are as a person is separate from that. Yes, it's a compliment to your personality, but it's not your whole life. And yeah. Kenzie, amen. I could talk to you for hours about that. Totally. Don't let your level, you know, a CEO versus somebody working, you know, just a behind a register like your job does not define who you are your character your interests your ability to hold valuable conversations with other people your ability to maintain relationships that's what's important and as long as you can make connections from whatever you're doing or you know whatever your job is that's what's important I love that that is amazing advice and then also one more thing just about retail Um, And it kind of has to do with psych. And I've realized this just in the past few years. Um, When people like don't treat you the way that you want to be treated, I've realized that, you know, sometimes I would step back and be like, you know, like what, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why would they say that? Or like, what did I do wrong? I stopped questioning like what's wrong with me and started to take a step back and be like, well, what are they going through? What, what, what's happening to them to make them treat me this way? Not why am I being treated this way? You know, so you can start to, you, you got to flip the perspectives kind of. Right. Put yourself in their shoes. Yes. Like it shows their personal struggles and to not take that stuff personally, because it really has nothing to do with you. It's really just a reflection of their struggles internally. And, you know, you don't, it's, you you just got to, Take it for what it is. Exactly. I think that's also very good specific to working in retail advice because I'm sure there are days where it feels personal. Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, lastly, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Instagram. I love Instagram. Um, message me, you guys. I make friends all the time. I love making connections. Um What's your handle? My handle is Kenzie Beattie, K-E-N-Z-I-E-B-E-A with three T's and a Y. So that's like my main platform where you can connect with me. If you guys have any more questions, like seriously reach out. I'm happy to help, um, you know, anybody on career advice or if you're moving to Chicago and you're looking to just make connections, my DMs are open. (laughs) That's awesome. And As Kenzie mentioned earlier in the podcast, that's how we met. Her Instagram is very fun to follow. And I think it's extremely authentic. And what urged me to ask Kenzie on the podcast is 
she posted a quote, protect your spirit. And that's my mantra. And that's why I invited Kenzie on. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know that. I love that. Protect your spirit. Always. Always. Protect your spirit. Protect your energy. Exactly. Thank you so much, Kenzie. This was so much fun. So much fun. I feel like I have a new friend. Oh, yes. Always. If I'm ever in New York or you're ever in Chicago, we, yeah, we got a link for sure. Thanks for listening to this episode. To keep up with what's happening on our podcast, follow Raw and Real NYC on Instagram. We post inspo and love showing you what's going on in our lives. Till next time, keep it real.